Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage for sure. I'm just glad to be alive. And I mean that seriously. I had quite a weekend. I'll tell you about that in another video. Uh, probably I'll post today. Uh, a couple things to tell you about before we get to this show. Um, the second edition of the Cognitive Rampage book, A Dose of Authentic Revelation, will be out in about 30 days. Look for that one. A lot of updates in the theory, a lot of edits, a lot of changes. If you bought the first edition of the Cognitive Rampage, please email us at Cognitive Rampage Podcast at Gmail. A little picture proof that you got it, and I will send you a free electronic copy of the second edition. Also, coming out in March, Dollar Mental Health Club, changing the paradigm of mental health providing tools and strategies for anybody for practicing in the present. Definitely something I'm looking forward to. Steve's sitting across from me on this podcast, which now I, I feel much safer. I got my man in the room with me again, but Steve and I have been working really hard to uh, bring a new paradigm, a, a new way for people to uh, keep their mental in shape and not have to be an MMA fighter, et cetera. And, um, you know, last sponsor, my Cote. Go to drinkmycote.com pH balance 2.5, full of mushroom probiotics, all kinds of goodness and health. I love what those guys and girls are doing down there for my Cote. Uh, Alfred, Sebastian, you got to send me the rest of the crew's name so I can give everybody a shout out. But go to drinkmycote.com, order it. I drink it. I love it. Put in my green shakes every morning while I'm mixing up all the love. And now the reason I may have brought up that Dollar Mental Health Club is for those with mental training that means you may not be an MMA fighter or a jiu-jitsu practitioner, or any kind of martial artist, uh, is because today on the show, we have the world-renowned, the well-known Gustavo Dantas, BJJ mental trainer, on the show with us today. I'm going to give you a little background about him. Um, I'm, well, I say a little. I'm going to give you a lot. But Gustavo is an entrepreneur, fourth-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, nearly 20 years of coaching experience. Besides being a former world champion, produced over 30 world champion medalists. 30. Not three, 30. Man, and with the 20 years, that's like almost two a year almost. Well, not just that. Uh, I want to learn about his philosophies, how he's doing it, because he doesn't train just on the mat. He trains his students more in a higher idea of self-worth and how to become champions in life, not just on the mat. He's a public speaker. He's also published a book as well. Uh, he's a certified high-performance mental and life coach. Uh, he works in physical education, of course, but as you know, I believe, experience is the best teacher, and Gustavo has tons of that experience. It goes on and on and on. Out in Tempe, Arizona, shout out to all the fans out in Arizona all over the place. Uh, his academy is also out there. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that as well. But the Gustavo Dantes Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Tempe, Arizona is what you need to look up. Been established now for uh, more than a couple of years, since March 6, 2012. Uh, and I love his statement that believe in yourself, believe in your dreams, hard work pays off. Gustavo, welcome to the Cognitive Rampage, man. Good to see you. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited. Oh, so am I. That was quite the, the bio and the entry, uh, quite some accomplishments. I didn't read into the rest of it where you started back in leaving Brazil in 1999. And for me, before we get into all the amazing things that you do now for the world of jiu-jitsu, for your students, for life, for anyone listening, uh, what I like to do is learn your story, where you come from. Can you take me back before you left Brazil with a few thousand bucks, a teenage dream in 1999? Hmm. What was the life like? What was it like where you come from? Bring me in that way. I'm very blessed to the way I grew up with 
single mom raising my brother and I and saw her. I only understood one thing, work ethic. What uh, she just left my dad, just toxic relationship anyway. And she did it the best she could and she did an amazing job. And I saw her from like, we're having like nothing to actually, she'd be able to, to raise us and give us good education. And when I was 14, close to 15, my brother started training jujitsu and I trained judo before and I was having bad grades in school and so forth. So my mom and got me out and then eventually he's like hey you know it's awesome should try and about 14 15 really enjoyed when i was 16 i just figured out like wait a minute you tell me that there's a gig that i can do just anytime i want and i can get paid for it <laughs> sign me up and, know, I, I hate to cut you man but <laughs> i can tell a lot about somebody i talk a lot about the narrative that we tell in our lives and i can tell a lot about somebody when the narrative they start to tell skips over a lot of the rough shit that they experience in life, when you're not embellishing on how tough it really was, because, you know, I watched my mother, shout out to moms out there. You know, my mom was in something pretty intense for about 26 years and broke out on her own. And, you know, when we watch our mamas do that, you know, that gives us the pride. And I can only imagine the things that you experience between those ages, especially on a little island in Brazil that can get pretty, pretty intense sometimes, mm -hmm. man. And, you skipped right by that and went right right into the positive stuff about your life. Talking about a man who knows how to tell a story. I just I just figured out early. I didn't know. Eventually, and when I saw my my journey that I really my self discovery journey that I figured out that my number one value is the freedom of choice. I'm the only entrepreneur of the family, and everyone, including my mom, which is a, I mean she's so wise, but I. It's cool that I saw her process of her, you know, working on her personal development, changing beliefs. And when I mentioned people that I wanted to pursue jujitsu, it was kind of like, oh, jujitsu is good. Keep me from trouble, from drugs. Yeah. I was like, no, you guys don't get it. Like, I really want to do this. And it wasn't really a fact until I decided that I said, it, like, I'm out. I'm like, I don't think it's a great idea. Like, yo, I'm just letting you all know this is what I'm doing and not asking. But it was a, it was a, tough transition as far as when for any teenager when you start getting close to 18 what are you going to do with your life and all that stuff we all go through that and my and people you know all about that people have different perceptions about the meaning of the word success and in my family the success means you go to college and you do this and you get a steady job and you know the whole process and I, don't, I can't understand, but it's just my mind didn't make sense. But I did go to college. I did go to a public public college, which is harder to get in in Brazil. You need to do a test it's once a year, have one shot. If you don't make it, you know, Junex is very different, the the, the college system in in U.S. If you want to know a little bit more, now we can talk about too. But um, I wanted to do something related to sports. Something I I had no idea I was going to live abroad. You know, I have no I had no idea, but I want something related to sports, physical education, because in Brazil they're super strict. Or even you know, like working in gyms as trainers, you need to have a four year degree of a four year degree. You can just get a certification for the weekend. You know, <laughs> it's very very different than, than here. And since I wanted to have my own academy, I don't know if I was going to have a gym and, and everything. I was like, well, at least I get a degree. 
that it's like related to what I'm going to do. And I didn't pay for four years. So I didn't pay for college, which was awesome. And as soon as I finish, I was about to finish college and I was doing better in, in a competition scene. And I met an American in 1997. He, he went to Brazil to train for the world championship. I was training with him, made friends with him. In 98, he came back and he told me, hey, it's going to have a tournament in, in L.A. I live in Vegas. You can stay with me for a few days and then you go compete. And I was like, I'm going. This was like a few days before the world championship in 1998. That kind of, even in my focus was like, I just, the first thought I thought was, I'm going. Like, yeah, oh, so- do you, you know, like, oh, cool. Do you have a visa? Or like, I don't even have a passport. I was six <laughs> weeks away. And like, and I don't have the you? money either. How old are uh, you? Uh, 23. So you're about 23 years old. You've been training in Brazil. You've been going to college in Brazil. And then who's the guy that you met in Brazil? Yeah, my friend is, uh, I can tell a little bit more about this kind of interesting story. Yeah. He, his name is Steve Da Silva. He's a he's a dancer, actually a professional dancer. He wasn't thriller, bad like badass dude. He was like you know he still does uh, for da- you know dancing for a living. And he went in '97. We we're training at the school, and I saw after because he trained jujitsu. He trained jujitsu before, right? Oh, I've I've had my ass kicked yeah. a few times by <laughs> Ju- by Julian Williams. Yeah, that's about as far as I'll go. You know, after class, you always kind of sit and hang out, and people just be asked for a little bit. And I saw this guy stretching by himself, you know, and I'm like, I felt super bad. You know, he got like big throw, like, you know, here, like, man, I felt bad. Everyone laughing in you're in, in a country that you don't speak the language. And when I was 16, I, I told my mom that I had an interest in learning English just because I like for music and stuff like that. Movies, I was curious. So my mom knew a lot of people. And at that point, she was a secretary. So she knew a secretary of a English school. And she got me a, a scholarship for, I just need to keep my grades three hours per week. Uh, and I did that for seven years. And, but when I met him, I think I was maybe five, five years in, and I was literally the worst in class because all the, the other kids, they went to, they had exchange programs and stuff like that. And so I, I'm, I'm a big introvert anyway, so I just, I'll just go in quiet and leave quiet. <laughs> I wouldn't say anything. But that day, I just decided to, uh, to I was brave or something. I was like, man, I'm going to talk with this guy. And it's kind of like I didn't know about, you know, one of the, the, the five pillars of emotional intelligence, the empathy. You know, feeling, putting myself in the guy's shoes. Like, dude, imagine, you know, if you go to some, you know, you go to Japan, you know, Japanese, everyone's laughing. You're like sitting there like, that kind of sucks. And I think I you're decided- right to use the brave word. You know, I talk about bravery and courage a lot. And uh, bravery uh, sometimes is knowing what might happen, but you go anyway. And courage being the difference is, you know what will happen and you go. Yeah, and it's dealing with the internal battles of the, you know, the negative voice. I like to call the dark passenger for all the Dexter fans and <laughs> kind of dealing with that. And I was like, I'm going. And then when I started talking with him, he he spoke slowly and his eyes just went like, you speak English? I'm like, well, I'm so, so. And, man, next thing I started, like, actually flowing a conversation. People saw coming in. Because I didn't know we speak English. Like, I didn't know either. And I'm like, I'm saying that right now. And. And we became friends, and that's when he came back in '98, and I, and I stayed. He stayed a few days in my in my house. There's so many funny stories. 
he stayed in my house and he told me about this tournament. And I had six weeks to make that happen, to find money, to get a passport. And for people who are listening that maybe I'm not familiar with the process, maybe it's not as simple to get a visa. As you can see, all the news, all the stuff happening. And it was the story itself, just the process. <laughs> How long did it take itself. you? Hmm? How long did but, it take you? Well, no, 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 because I only had six weeks from the moment that he told me. But uh, another process, people back then, I don't know how it is right now, but people, one thing that people don't understand is the the concept, the perception that people have about Americans in other countries. Mm. For example, you go to the consulate in Brazil, dude, see you straight up, you're dicks, all of them. So the (laughs) only experience, you live in Brazil, you don't know any American, your only interaction you ever had it with an American who's being a dick, completely dick. Yeah. And you leave like, I'm fucking American. And comes another one like, dude, I had the same experience. Yeah, they're American. They treat you like they do such a big favor. And anyway, so there's a whole story behind this too. Because yeah, I, I, went, I get that. If that's your only interaction, I mean, amongst yeah. tourists that I'm sure aren't the kindest people either. Um, and that's all you meet. I can see how over a, a country that would spread so quickly when you really see at one point, this is supposed to be a place of hope and, and kindness and love. And all you get in a consulate is who are you? What do you want? Where you been? You know, show us everything. Yeah. So for people who are listening, imagining, you know, for you to Adam, you, you need to apply for a visa to go to a, to whatever country you want to visit. And you get there and you start ask, you know, giving you information, guy get, give you some, uh, some questions he doesn't like much say like yeah unfortunately you're not going to be able to uh, give you the visa well but next but next wow. security like that you know what i'm saying so Just yield and power like they yeah. fucking mean something there's one dude a few years back that he worked in the consulate he got jumped some guy followed him on his house they didn't mess with him the day but like there's like a while back and then he got there yo remember me I'm like no we do you know and wow. and jumping just for being like rude, I feel that I haven't been in a long, I've been living in the U.S. now for 18 years, and I haven't been in a consulate in a long, long time. I heard that it got a little better, but mm. I've, I've been in, a, in the immigration in, in Vegas, you know, and that was not nice at all. It was like they do doing you uh, like a huge, huge favor to even consider talking to you, you know, so it's, I don't know how it is right now. I really don't yeah. know. But that was your experience trying to come here. So that's valid to the story. You know, you're experiencing rudeness. You want to go to this place when all you really dreamed is just training in this and having your own academy. You're pushing this friend has miraculously came into your life. You yeah. spent time together. Now you got six weeks to get your shit together to get overseas to compete. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing, too, is that I wasn't coming to stay. I was going to come here, stay 10 days and go back. I was finishing college. I was my last year in English school. I was teaching already jiu-jitsu in Brazil. I had a team there that I was already teaching. So I had some stuff going on me, but I'm, I'm always trying to look ahead. Like in 10 years, what is this here going to look like? You know, my neighborhood, people come in like, hey, I'm going to come half of the month, going to pay half. Like people broke. I'm like, dude, what am I going to do here? And there was a, it was a very tough decision because of the moment that my athletic career was taken off. And a lot of my friends, you know, told them, like, dude, you're out of your mind. It took you so long to start, like, getting the results and stuff. But I was like, what am I going to do in a few years, you know? And this is here. I need more. I need to see the world. I need to explore. And that was a a gutsy call. But when I came to compete, it worked out. It worked out that uh, 
but the guy, the consulate, oh boy, like he asked like every question that he could have possibly asked me and like, hey, uh, yeah, I go to college. Do you have any proof? I'm like, yeah, I show. Yeah, I work. Have any proof? And I was trying to kind of like, yeah, I know I'm going to represent Brazil. I'm going to the world. Is there any proof? And everything wow. he was asking nonstop. And then finally he found one. He said, like, who's going to pay for the ticket? And then I said, my sponsors. Like, who is your sponsor? And then I had a portfolio with my, you know, magazines, press and stuff. And I showed to him, like, oh, I have a few. Each one's going to give me some money. They're splitting it like in three ways. They're going to three, they're going to pay. And I'm like, well, each one's going to give. And he just cut me like, who is going to pay? And I'm like, fuck, I guess I got to pick one. So I was, I was, I was sponsored by this drugstore, this like a Walgreens, let's say, you know, like a, a, a chain. And they're the one going to give me the most. And it said like City Pharma, which is the name of the place. Like, do you have a letter from them stating that they're going to pay for the ticket? No. It's like, oh, we can give you the visa. I'm like, what? What the fuck, man? What were you, yeah. what, uh, what tournament were you coming to compete in? That was in 1998. And so there's the, this guy, Joe Moreira. He's, um, he's one of the, the first guys who came to the United States. He used, to, he used to have like a pretty cool tournament. He stopped promoting, but that's the same venue that the, the PANS now, the PAN Championship are now held in Irvine, California. But that, and that in, in for two, now we're going to go back to the, to the drugstore, like, hey, I need a letter from you guys. And they're like, well, we're not going to pay the whole thing. I was like, I understand. But now if you guys don't give, like, even if you say now you're not going to give me, period, I'm going to put on my credit card. I already put on my head. I'm going. I'm going. So I'll figure it out. I just need a letter. Like, you guys have been paying me salary for the past two years, a monthly salary. Why would I burn this bridge of, like, because of a few hundred dollars? So they had to wait for corporate to approve and then the week of the um, 10 days before the tournament, they finally said, we have the letter. I was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, and in this meantime, I was like, I was hustling. I was like, you know what? I need to find a way to, to get some extra money because I have the ticket. But there's like hotel, there's other expenses. And I was so close to self to find the sponsor. So I started like brainstorming, brainstorming. And then and suddenly I go like politics it's about to have like they're going to start running now for like um local uh what it call like for uh um, representatives local yeah, representatives. like you know yeah. say they they have and i started thinking man should have someone from my community someone from this area because they love to help people politicians love to help people when it's getting close to the elections you know i love I mean? how you said that yeah add that shit to it right we <laughs> we like to help when we're getting close to being elected <laughs> is that so i was like you know what? I'm going to start asking. So start asking people, like, yo, do you know anyone in the area? And if I like, hey, there's one guy. So I went there to the office when they pres- you know, uh, the guy wasn't there, but, uh, but I talked with a, the lady. I explained what I'm trying to do and representing the community. I grew up in, you know, here and all that stuff. So she's like, was, yeah. what was your hometown? Uh, Rio, Rio de Janeiro. Okay. But, you know, it, it goes to small cities that they call like neighborhoods, but essentially Rio Metro. And she told me, like, hey, call call back tomorrow at 10. He's going to be here. And when I call, he goes on the phone, hey, champ. I'm like, got it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going. So he's like, oh, no, we're going to find. Because I didn't tell him that I had the money for the ticket. You know, like I just said, like, hey, I'm looking for a sponsor. And like, oh, we're going to make it happen. And like he wasn't going to take from his pocket, but he's going to make it happen. 
So he, check it, this man, this story is a trip. Um, actually, it's the first time I'm telling this in a, in a podcast. Um, that happens a lot on this show for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, because, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if I'll tell this in a Brazilian <laughs> podcast or something, but it's kind of kind of messed up. Um, so he told me, um, hey, I found a guy that's going to help you. I was like, okay, what's, what's the deal? Like, hey, he has been, he's from this town in Brazil that is hard to get visa Everyone get denied from there. And he's a, he's a personal trainer and all of that. And he wants to go to New York. He wants to visit. He's never been there. He's been denied twice. So like, okay. So he said, that if you go with him as your trainer, one of your trainers, you pay half of your ticket. I'm like, let's go. Yeah, and also, <laughs> so we went back to the consulate and I, all I need is just a letter to say like, hey, this is the letter from the drugstore that they needed. I'm all good. And I went there with him, and and the politician sent a guy and went like, "Hey, make sure that you know we go to that specific window. That's the guy that you guys need to talk with." Because he he took someone that uh, knew, you know, who, who I guess could help. So when we got there, the guy approved me, and and this guy, the trainer, he started to kind of stutter a little bit, and and he was like, "Boom, denied. Same deal. Like up oh, next, next." Oh. So the shoe-in guy, oh, my God, you had the letter, you had it on, the shoe-in guy blows it for you. Yeah, but but he, but at least mine got approved. When he said mine got approved, we're like, okay, I'm good. You know, like, I'm going anyway. So we got out, and then we called the politician. Yeah, dude, it didn't work. I was like, screw it. You know, I'm like, I'm happy. You know, I'm going. And he said, like, no, something's wrong. Come here to my brother's office. His brother owns a, a newspaper. So he wanted to go there with him. So when we got there. This is like straight up, they, they call the consulate because this guy was dark skinned. Okay. So in, in Brazil, would say, you know, like yeah, black, you know, just, just a big mix in Brazil, but he's dark skinned. The newspaper called the consulate and said, like, this athlete went there, da, da, da. his trainer went there too, and he got denied. If he does not get approved by tonight, we'll be back tomorrow with the press uh, accusing of, uh, racism. Nice. Good move. And they, uh, they fucking prove. Bam. Same day. Good move. Punch them right in their fucking political face. I like that. Good. Is move. that a trip? And nice. it worked and we traveled together. Not even remember the guy's name. We got in. I'll tell you what. And he was straight too, because after we passed him, we went to immigration. He just like, boom, boom, gave me the cash. Like after, but because he could have said like, fuck yeah. you, you know, like what I'm going to do, beat him up in the airport. You know? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> then, I mean, you don't have to beat him up. You just choke <laughs> it. So, I mean, you don't have to hurt anybody. You can just. <laughs> and then we never see each other again. And I end up doing well at the tournament and I end up being like one of the, the standouts actually. And that opened doors for me for the fact that I was already speaking English. And when I landed in the U.S., I'm like. Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm like, I can live here. Like, I like, I can live here. <laughs> so I'm very, I don't know, man. It's just maybe because I saw a different reality when people sometimes say bad about us or something. I mean, as far as like, Oh, this here, they, Oh man, this like, man, go visit other places. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you think it's bad here. way worse than you guys are like, I know it's bad. Yeah. I, I understand. It's, it's, there's a lot of stuff, you know, corruption, there's everywhere in Brazil, corruption, it's like in such a different level that it's like, oh my God. So 
simple things that I think foreigners appreciate of living here. And in coming from Rio, one of the worst traffics in uh, South America, you know, and vi a lot of violence, you know, like you don't stop in light. It's like basically red is stop and green. And, uh, no, red, green is go and red is like, go slow you know what i mean there's some some places that you don't stop you just kind of check it yeah. and then you go you know and if you stop like middle of the night in a, some bad place and a cop see you be like what are you doing you're not supposed to stop here well, what is the red you're not supposed to you know there's a good chance to get jacked or something damn man. so that's a whole new world man yeah so things like that so i'm pretty happy in the united states let's put this way you yeah. know and so, yeah, that's basically how I got in U.S. And I sold my car, 2700 bucks, my tourist visa, two bags, and my dream that, like, I'm going to do it. I don't know how long it's going to take. And it took me literally from the moment that I made this decision, I was 16 to 36, 20 years. 20 years all started with that dream, man, to, to already have and have built something and be willing to sacrifice that on a vision, you know, to sacrifice safety, comfortability, what you knew, your local um, friends, the local people, your clients, et cetera, to have to already built something and then strive to say no more, to have the vision to see further beyond what was comfortable and push yourself to these very, very uncomfortable places, man. Uh, that is some serious drive. That is some serious performance and, and belief in yourself. Yeah. And I tell you what about the belief. And when I mentioned that I left, a lot of people told me, man, you're just going to go downhill and I have as many, you know, high level competitors, which was true. I trained with one of the best generation ever of lightweights. And I was in the same room of a lot of those guys in Brazil. And uh, any, when, any of those names you can throw out there? Uh, Vitor Shaolin, Hobson Mora, Hobson Mora, which is Hall of Fame, five-time world champion, yeah. one of my best friends. So guys that uh, um, really inspired me, Vitor Shaolin, he has a school in New York. He uh, Those are beasts, man. Those yeah, are man. beasts. Like, example of work ethic. And But a lot, of the, a lot of people told me, and I bought it. I bought it. I mean, it was a fact that the training was different. Yes, but I put an opinion after the fact, which is a problem that a lot of people do. You need to accept that the fact cannot be changed, right? But only my response. But that at that moment, with the emotional maturity level that I had at that point, I didn't, I didn't know, and I bought it. I was like, oh, man, I don't have the training partners. Oh, I don't have this. And I started getting the, the victim syndrome, you know? Oh, wow. So what do you what do you hear as you're walking into that for other fighters that watch this show or are listening or that want to be or that are into it? What are you talking about when you say you believed it or you bought into it? The power of the association from Jim Rome, you know what I mean? Like who you're surrounded by, what are they saying, what what they put it out there, you know what I mean? Not just the self-awareness, but the social awareness, what people are telling you, are you buying it or not? Are you are you even questioning what the source of what they're saying? And basically, that's what uh, I didn't have the emotional maturity to see that. It's just mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, I'm away from the world-class training. I have some white belts in the room. Like, how the fuck am I going to compete in high level with this? And that started. And it was bad. It was bad. Compare, you know, it was one of the best rooms in the planet, literally. You know, at one point, and suddenly I'm, I'm in the room with some white belts, some okay blue belts. And that really messed with my head big time. It, and the fact that when I came in, I was telling this to my wife, wife yes, yeah, so I was like five years grinding, competing, 
you know, all the time. And suddenly Gustavo's done. You got to survive, dude, by the way, because I came here 2,700 bucks. Maybe, you know, I know that came, there's people here came with even less, you know, but in the first, in the first 10 days, I stay in my friend Steve's house and I went to look for a place. I was like, okay, my 2,700, 2,700 is not bad. You know, give me some time. And, and then as soon as right at the beginning, I went to look for a place and well, do you have credit? Do you have documents? Like, no, just my tourist visa. And they said like, well, we need to pay either three months in advance or someone to co-sign. And again, empathy, putting myself someone else's shoes. Like, I, I know Steve, but he is not like, I'm not, not going to put this kind of like, I wouldn't like if someone asked me, they can sign for me. You know, I just came here. I don't want to put the guy in that position. So like, you know what? Uh, I'll do it. And I put it three months, which was back then it was like six, $750 or something. And my, my ex-wife was coming from Brazil 10 days to meet me after. And, uh, it, it, I have to put deposit for the, um, for the power and then for, you know, all yeah, the, that power, stuff. water, the, yeah, I mean, like, yeah 2,700 bucks is gone. It was like gone. Time. No, it was gone. I was like, holy shit. Uh, the only thing that saved me is that, uh, I bought some geese in Brazil. I bought eight geese and I brought it with me to sell it. And that's what got me to breathe. And after that, it started really? the process of looking for a job. So I wasn't working with jujitsu. Uh, so it's what happens to many people, right? We have the dream, we have the vision, we get started on that path. And what do they say? Then reality strikes, right? Mm -hmm. Then we run out of the money. Well, we got to survive. So we take our teenage dream, our young adult, or even adult dream. And we go, well, we got to do this first. Is that kind of what you, you know, experienced? It's basically, are you, you, have you heard, you heard of Jim Rome? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So a big fan of him. And he says something that is very powerful that work hard, um, work full time uh, to survive. I mean, to pay your bills and part time on your on your dream. So and then eventually the dream would take over. So at the beginning, I had to to just do whatever I had to do to work, whatever things that I've never done in my life. What did you and do? I just got out of college and painting, gardening, construction and security, just things that I've, I've never done. And, and, but I knew that that was the price that I had to pay for one day, the, the, my dream to become the full-time, you know? So it was like full-time on your living, part-time on your dream type of deal. And it takes time. And I know that a lot of people want the dream now and, and that, uh, having that patience and the, the pride of my family sound like, come back. What are you doing? You just got out of college and you work in construction and, and all of that. You know, so when I go visit, I stay for a year. When I went back there, you know, my family still felt that I, I did the wrong move. So that's so hard when the social circle's uh, telling yeah, you, when yeah. the reality you think you're living in and the family's telling you that, wow, Gustavo, that's a lot of push, man. But that's when you, when you know, like, why you're doing what you're doing, you know, and the same thing. You know, because I was looking at some of your your interviews too, and how you you decided to change your life and start helping others. A guy like this is what I want to do. This, you know, like I really want to do this to help people, and you, and you change your life. And mine was like, I want to do this. I want to fulfill this my value of freedom. I don't want because I want to young. Like I don't want people telling me what to do. Period. You know, I want to do whatever I want to do, but I understand that I'm going to have to 
to do that. So I've been making a living with jiu-jitsu since 2004. Oh, that's a long time. So you're you're more deep in this dream now, man. It switched. It switched over. When when was the moment? When did it switch for you? What was the the transitional moment when it really happened? I feel that it's the time, but I mean, it's we all have to to hit like some uh, some moments in our lives that got the the wake up calls, you know, and and different things. Um, I think there's a. I went through. I I felt that I always march forward my my dreams but i think everyone who's listening to this have at one point in their life that they're moving forward but carrying the the unnecessary weight mm. you know dragging and little by little i start to kind of like start peeling those as i start working on myself and personal development and so forth but when i went when i got the divorce it was rough because i had my family her family put a lot of pressure to take my son back there and they, so they moved back to Brazil and I got really like down. I like, that's probably the most depressed that I've ever been. One day I'm with my wife, my family, one day I'm gone, you know, and not motivated to compete, wow. you know? So uh, I took a four year break. Like I didn't compete for four years. I, I came uh. here, like I wasn't, I wasn't feeling jujitsu. I was like, man, I don't have the bodies for it. So I went to MMA, did some MMA, competed at ADCC, which is basically the Olympics of submission wrestling that you got to be invited to go in Abu Dhabi. So I have some cool experiences, but all with a fucked up mindset, my head all over the globe. Uh, you know so, what I mean? Man, so, so really competing, it sounds like more competing out of kind of a rage or an upsetness absolutely. or an anger. That was my outlet to just try to, uh, to just kind of like forget some of the stuff, you know, like I'm by myself and, Little by little, after those four years that I took a break, 2007, just start to like, man, I this is not me. I, I need to do something. I need to do something. And, and that's when I figured out that uh, a lot of anxiety and that's a lot of self-esteem issues, especially when it comes from a divorce type, you know, like, and now I got a team. Now there's expectation. Are you going to perform? You know, or you don't want to disappoint anybody. All this crap that, you know, the stories that you, you know, make in your head, you know, there's, and that was a story that I was believing. Ooh, the, so the story, and what I'm hearing is the pivotal moment in your life that switched the jobs to the dream was divorce. You, you know what? I, I, that's was, what I'm hearing, man. About, I love how you're making yeah. something dark beautiful. Yeah, it was like that transition because 2003, that's when, um, so those more, well, it was more like 2005, that's when I really started, but uh I felt that it, it was the moment that uh, the last job that I ever had was a uh, cleaning house, uh, house cleaning because I, I wasn't doing well still with jujitsu. I used to teach in a gym, in an MMA gym, and things are not going too well mentally, financially, just uh, surrounded, power of the association, surrounded by the wrong people, partying, having fun. You know, I'm single now. I have shit to do. I don't want to be by myself. Might as well just get wasted and go out and... You know, right. and, that's the know. American solution to divorce <laughs> and breakup right there. Yeah. Just go out and, and party. And that's, uh, basically what, a what I did for you, just, you distracted yourself. That's what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. And then by the point that, uh, the last year that I didn't, I was, uh, I needed to go to Brazil to see my son for Christmas. I didn't have, I wouldn't have the money to go. So I had six months to, to go and to, to find a way to get the money to, to visit. And I'm like, man, I need, cause I was getting like little, I was doing a little personal training, a little bit here and there. But since I have the schedule of teaching classes, it's kind of tough to find a, 
a job that is so flexible. So like, man, how's cleaning? It's a good option. Can make my own schedule. So I just had this decide this decision on Friday. The following Monday, I already had my my first client, and for in six months, I saved the money, went to Brazil, have Christmas with my family, were able to buy gifts for for everyone. And when I came back, I just thought I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm I'm gonna have to. Uh, and I was this time I was already promoting jujitsu tournaments, and it's starting to little by little to 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 pay off. So you had to lose it all of what you thought was lovely to see that turn to really chase it. Man, I'm I'm hearing you at in 1998 in the same place. God, I got to get some money to get to this place. And now all these oh, years yeah. and all these rough trials, you're going, damn, I got to get some money to get back to that place. Man, what a trial, man. You lost like everything that most men, you know, we hold dear as our family, the things, right? When you lose all of that, it was the not. I don't. I wasn't a bottom out for you. It really seemed like the. You may be headed that way, but it seemed like the catalyst to spark the 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 return almost. Yeah, it was. It was especially because of my son involved. The toughest moment in my life. Period. You know, it, it definitely. Uh, this is a a rough one for any of the the parents listening to this. You know, one day you're with your kid, and then or, like, oh, or the one in another country, and then you can't even afford to go there to to see them. So that's a rough yeah. one. And, but I went through some other ups and downs and so forth. But 2008, that's when I got back to 2007, went to compete, forced myself to it and felt a lot of anxiety going in and hurt oh, my man. knee in the very first minute of the match. First minute, my knee popped like big pop, kept going and ended up losing. But, uh, so messed up my knee. So had to stop for a year in 2008. I, I decided again. And then, you know, a cool thing that is like from 2007 to 08, I, I was introduced to The Secret, the, the, the movie. Yeah. Which, you know, I like the idea, but people just have the wrong idea. Oh, I just think, of, you know, just, you just have to think about it, visualize and do a goddamn thing and it happens. No, I like the idea of like putting the energy out. And of course you pay the price and do the shit's going to happen. But, you know, people have a little wrong perception about the so but i do like the the law of attraction of like yeah you're doing positive things you're doing things you know it will come back and i went to compete i went to compete at the, in brazil and i won and i won the brazilian nationals in 2008 Shit. but uh killer but like not with internal peace not with full self-satisfaction a lot i didn't know about my self i wasn't aware of my self-limiting beliefs or about my negative patterns like perfectionism, fear of failure, fear of disappointing others. And I won because I have better jujitsu than the other guys. But internally, it was people saying like, man, you look awesome. You're the guy to beat. And I'm walking like, yeah, thank you. And I'm thinking to myself, who the fuck are they talking to? What match were they watching? Because I was going straight to all the bad things that I did. I didn't give credit to myself for anything positive I did. I'll just go like, oh, I messed up this, I messed up that. You know, that perfectionism. Just forever uh, which, critical, just saying critical. Yeah, and it took me a while to understand how to balance my perfectionism. And that's for anyone who's who's watching, uh, who's watching or listening to this. Is perfectionism is not some, it's not that it's bad. It's just about the balance, you know, because when, if you're a perfectionist, you know, you have a, great work ethic you want things done well and and all that the issue is that the flip side is that it breeds high expectation and when you don't meet this high expectations you crash and that's what with me i went there like i'm gonna go there 
I'm going to score 20 and submit everyone. No one's going to do anything to me. So my very first match, the guy opened up the score. I'm like, fuck. You know, so I'm already being hard on myself because I put my expectations way too, like, unrealistic. But anyway, that was my, you know, that was my start sort of, like, come back. Well, but, speak of a lot, man. I, I slow you down because you're dropping a lot of things here that I know you're advanced in and you're moving through. And a lot of people listening may not be. And, you know, I even write in my book about trying. There is a difference between self-awareness and self-criticism. And mm-hmm. perfectionists tend to focus on the criticism rather than the self-awareness. Mm-hmm. It, and I had no idea about I mean, again, I had no idea that I had this in me for so long. And. In 2000, so I competed in 2009. I went to compete in Japan at the Hickson Grace International. So that was an awesome experience. Yeah. So I won that. So, oh, so that was I good. Love like, you just brush over winning the Hickson Grace International, man. These are major tournaments you're knocking down. Yeah, but, but you know, it's just at the end of the day, it's a, it's a competition. You know, you're just yeah. testing yourself or putting yourself, you're dealing with the internal battles. I just try to see like this way. In, to, in 2010, that was my major breakthrough that, that was basically started like the shift of my life. Mm-hmm. So since I started competing a little more, I didn't like how I was feeling. I didn't like the anxiety that it was when I was going in. It's not that I wasn't winning. I wasn't getting the internal peace, the, the self-satisfaction of like, man, I did well. It was me on the mat. I felt that it was not me on the mat. You know, it was too many worries about what others going to think, expectations and all that. So I went to compete at this this tournament, the Vegas International Open from the IBJJF, the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, which is the for people who are listening, it's the the main organization and in, in the main authority in jiu-jitsu. So I had just one match in in my division, and I think it, I pressured myself too much because in the paper it was a lot better than the guy. I was supposed to beat the guy. You know, so I start to already kind of like feel a little bit of the anxiety that I have to perform. Well, I cannot just beat this guy. I need to dominate this guy. You know, so I brought that pressure with me on the mat, you know, like 30 of my students watching all that kind of stuff. And so I end up winning my match, which in a score, it was 18-0. 18-0, like uh, for jujitsu, it's a large, it's a large score. But like, if, and I, and when I left, I was like, I don't feel happy or satisfied. Like, good, I won, but I felt that it was like the whole time during the match, I'm hesitating, I'm rushing things because I'm afraid that he might do something. I was more concerned what he's going to do than what I was going to do, mm. you know. But again, I was a lot better technically than anything, so I could get away with a lot of stuff. And and then I decided to go to compete in the open class, which in jiu-jitsu, for people who don't know, it's all the weight classes combined. And I was, you know, being a featherweight, I'm kind of like the underdog of the thing, right? So I went against a guy that won the super heavy division, 220 pounds, big dude, tough guy. And I ended up losing by one advantage, which is like a, in a score would be like he almost got something that basically decided the match. Yeah, he could have maybe done something. And that's yeah, the only but, way. And I, I was in peace because I was like, man, that was me on the mat. You know what I mean? The guy beat me good job and then i started to wonder like man how can i do well in one division and i do in the other it doesn't make any sense you know of me pressuring myself because one is my job to win that's my weight class that's what i need to do the other one is like you know it's the bonus you know what i mean you're the light guy if you you know if you lose you know that's okay it's understandable 
you know, and I decided, you know what, I don't want to, I want to get to the bottom of this. So I just went home and Google mental preparation for jujitsu. There's none, of course. And then I just started looking into mental preparation. And then I saw a, a, a program with a, with a work workbook and a CD and like, I'm getting it. And that, that was the beginning of the process, you know, of like, there's so much to learn about myself here. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You and questioned that, you, man. Oh, yeah. You questioned you. Yeah. And, and that was from there, I started to get more interested in learning more. And I did a mental training certification. But not, I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to become a mental, a mental trainer. I just want to figure it out myself. That's all I'm trying to do. So whatever I see courses, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh man, you sound like me and how I became a therapist. I, I didn't really set out to be a therapist really to help people. I wanted to, well, I was trying to save my own damn life. Yeah. And that's really what I, I mean, I write in a book too. I didn't study. I trained, I trained psychology. I was reading beyond what they told me to read. And then some, I'm like, look, it, it may sound like I'm going to be a good therapist, but I'm just trying to save my own life here, man. It didn't even cross my mind of like, even after I did the, the certification, because I'm a big introvert, you know, but I am a, I'm a leader of a team, you know. So I start noticing people competing. I'm like, dude, that dude is a – I guarantee you that if people are listening to, to this and they do practice or jiu-jitsu, any other competitive sport that is like, man, this guy performs great in the training room, but how come he's not doing the same in competition? And I start to notice how more people struggle with that. I was like, because you always think you're the only one, right? I'm the only one or nervous in a warm-up area. You know what I mean? Everyone's confident. I'm the one freaking out, you know? And I start noticing like, oh, man. And I start talking with some of the some of the, the guys that I start noticing. And they start to improve. And at the same time, I decided to share with them because I saw the my improvement, not only in competition, but mainly in my personal life. Because I believe that a lot of the self-limited beliefs that might be holding you back in an under-pressure situation in a tournament, it could most likely be holding you back in your personal life as well, or professional life, or taking risks, or you're afraid to disappoint your parents, or your perfectionist. No, when I wait this, when I get this degree, and then I'll do this and I'll do that, and the perfectionism coming in. And I started to, to study a lot of that, that stuff, all that, you know, just online, everything online, or buying books and see audiobooks, like definitely changed my life. And in 2012, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do a class this weekend. Whoever wants to come in, um, I'm not going to charge anybody. Just I'm going to talk about some of the stuff have worked for me and maybe can help anybody. 40 people showed up. Ooh. And, I was like, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, like, again, always thinking you're the only one. And I started doing. You, never spoke, you had never spoke to a, a, a bigger group like that before. No. No, and was, uh, I gotta ask you, what was scarier, the heavyweight open competition or this first speech in front of forty people? You know what? Um, that wasn't scary for me because I wanted to get it out. You know what I mean? So I, I never been scared of public speaking, especially being a major introvert. But I've never been because when I do speak, I want to speak about something that, uh, you know, that I care and and I and. Not that I'm great at it, but I'm learning. I, you know, I'm still got so, so much to learn. But and I, it was awesome, and I did two more. And this was, I think, August and November 30th. I decided I'm gonna book the Hilton and do a fucking professional speaking engagement. Bam. And and then uh, in Mesa, Arizona, 
and I was promoting a jiu-jitsu tournament for my association plus a seminar with some of my friends. So it was a Friday, Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. I decided, you know what, Friday night, I'll just, uh, I'll do it. I'll do a seminar. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing. No clue. And I was doing a speech at my uh, my academy one night, and one of my students told me, like, hey, Gustavo, uh, I want you, I want, I'd like to introduce you to one person that has been my client. He was a personal trainer, client and friend. His name is Joe Weldon. He's in the Hall of Fame of Public Speaking. He was one of the most respected public speakers in the world. You know, he's 75 now. And like, uh, he's the head of our Toastmasters. You know, have you heard of Toastmasters? Like, no. And I was like, hey, so this three weeks before the presentation. And so he comes in, got a, session with me he brought i mean an amazing and the guy this guy that's uh one of the person people that really changed my life and in one hour i was just like i don't know how i don't care how much you charge i'm doing it you know and he he was so impressed he called me the brazilian sponge you know because like i'm always like (laughs) so he was so impressed with my work ethic that he really like adopted me at you know his like uh, project and in three weeks i killed his all his program all that stuff he went there with me helped me at the seminar you know just taking notes you know and like giving uh uh, name tags to people. I mean, he loved, that's what a guy does. He, he loves public speaking, you know, he, he enjoys. And we had uh, uh, almost 80 people in the room and it was a two hour presentation. And, you know, I flew a jujitsu magazine to go there. They had a four page article on it. Nice. And, um, and that was the beginning of the BJJ mental coach movement that I like to call, which is uh, it represents an idea the idea of becoming more emotionally mature, not just for under pressure situations in, in competition, but in life, you know, you're going to have to deal with your dark passenger, the voice that lives in your head. You're going to have to really reevaluate those self-limiting beliefs and not accept you have, you know, I had this idea, it's negative. You go with it. No, you stop, you question that, you know, like let's, re- you know, let's reframe this. And I start to do more in, as far as I know, I think I'm the only one in jiu-jitsu doing this. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there are more people doing this. I, I, don't know. I, I do a little mental training myself, but um, I'm not a jiu-jitsu practitioner such mm-hmm. as yourself. And so for me, I don't focus on in the ring. What I do mm-hmm. is focus on their lives outside the ring. And mm-hmm. if we can learn to line that up and balance that up, those same tools you can apply with your coaches in the ring. Exactly. It's like you work from the inside out. I work from the outside in. Yeah, the, uh, the name of my... My program is to create an online course called Inner Discovery for Outer Success. Yeah. And the idea is blending in mental skills training and personal development. Because my, my big passion is not necessarily sports, it's personal development. I just believe that anyone who's listening to this have to agree that sports in general are just an amazing personal development tool if used properly. And yeah, yeah. In tournaments, Man, you get to learn so much about yourself when you're under pressure situation. Can you can you perform in under pressure situation? Because one of the things that uh, the most frustrating things that any athlete or anyone goes through is the fact that uh, it was just not you there. You know, the nerves got the best of you for whatever reason that happened. That could be a tournament, could be a job interview, any any place you went with the full intentions of being your best, but for whatever reason, something was holding you back. You know, job interviews, um, uh, pre- job presentations, anything that you're like, man, I just kind of blank. 
and something was holding you back and it's your job to find it and deal with it. And I do my best to give some clarity to people to reevaluate some self-limiting beliefs that because what, what excites me the most, it's not the, the winning the, the medal, you know what I mean? It's just like, what are you going to do with this in your personal professional life? That's what I care. Well, for you, you've lived that. And what you just said stemmed, I noticed, from a philosophy because you had this huge insight, I noticed, when you lost the match, not when you won it. When you lost exactly. to the heavy set guy, the heavier guy, mm -hmm. that loss actually seemed to spark more. Absolutely. And that happened with me the very first time in 1998. Same thing. And that gave me a flashback, a tournament, Brazilian Nationals. I, I just got picked up by this uh, clothing company. They're like the only sponsor, like uh, people who are really standing out. And I pressure myself so much that I had to like, oh, fuck, I have to win. You know, they're just speaking guys are winning all of that. And I did not perform well at all. Ended up losing and I went to compete at the Open and it felt great. So that was the first time that I was like, no, that was weird. So when this happened again in Vegas, it brought me back to 98. I was like, no, 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 no. it's not going to happen again. You know, I need to get to the bottom of this. And that's when I started to study, you know, getting to more and more. And now I study more personal development than actually the sports. Because I really, it's just I use the personal development knowledge that I get. And I transfer to jujitsu and sports. So that's basically what I'm trying to do. But, I, I, but I've been doing some speak engagements on non-jujitsu too because I mm -hmm. really I love the fact I love to get in walking in a room like right now there are a lot of people who have no clue who I am some people have no clue what jujitsu is but being able to be like huh this guy actually you know got some good stuff to say that can bring some some value make some some impact and I like that kind of challenge like two years ago I did my first professional speak engagement for non-jujitsu was a uh, they're having a bodybuilding state championship in Arizona. And I went to speak to the competitors the night before. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, who the fuck are you? What are you going to tell me? You know, <laughs> like you jujitsu guy, what do you know about bodybuilding? You know, so I like to walk in the room with that intimidating room. And I'm not intimidated. I'm excited that I'm like, I'm going to show you what's up, you know? And, <laughs> and then I just uh, uh, did my best. And a lot of people came to talk with me after. And even I went to the competition to watch them. And they're saying like, man, I really thought about so, so many things you said, especially in bodybuilding. Because when you, when you think about it, like some of the, the words that they get are like, man, that guy, look at that guy. That guy's ripped. Man, do you have no control of how they're going to you know, judge that guy, you know, like the, the, like the judges, they're going to evaluate that guy, you know, how big the guy is. You have no control. Are you going to put on so much focus on something you can't control? So things, uh, things like that, but mainly like reevaluating self-limiting beliefs. That is the one that people with anybody in personal well, development, you know, you know, we, I talk a lot about beliefs on here, but I'd like to really hear your philosophy as you expand on, on what you mean by limiting beliefs, self-limiting beliefs in a way of ideas everyone have ideas goals and dreams but maybe at some point you know the the negative voice that brings all the negativity and all the doubts and securities fears and assumptions said like are you good enough and then you bought it you know maybe someone bought it so like i don't know if i'm good enough you know and then like and then maybe depending on who you're surrounded by someone's like yeah dude it's too hard for you and you're already going to that internal battle like wow if I already think that I'm not good enough and someone think that, you know, like it must be true and they kind of go with it. So I start to 
like there's one book that I really like, Play to Win. It's a really cool book that uh, it talks a lot about the stop challenging shoes, you know, stop, stop to think about or thinking about. And I like to call the karate block. You know, you see that the wave of negative thoughts coming like, eh, stop, filter that thought. Be like, can question this, like, hey, is this thought process going to, is, do I have control or no control? Is that a, a rational or irrational thought? And then when you start to kind of question that, I'm like, oh, I'm here, I'm afraid to disappoint others. Like, do you have any control of assumptions that others, you know, might be saying or expectations that others may have about your performance? It's on them. It's not on you. It's on them. And start to reevaluate that and then make a decision. Do you want to put your focus on something that's going to move you towards your goal? It's going to hold you back, move you away. Because before you didn't have the self-awareness, because that's the number one step. The, the number one step is stop. Self-awareness, like, do you think about what you think about? You know, and that, think about that. Just right. think about, like, oh, shit, what am I thinking about? You know, and, and accept that you have basically a, the dark passengers like a bully that lives in your head. You know what I mean? And you got to stand up for yourself and question that and say, like, no, 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 no. I don't go, don't go with the first time stop reevaluate that and then and then reframe to something positive and in jujitsu i like to say when you feel that pressure a lot of people saying just stop and say like my goal is to perform to the best of my abilities with the tools and knowledge i have right now maybe tomorrow i have more maybe in six months i have more but right now this is what i have with all the preparation i had did i train hard enough like dude i should have thought about that like six weeks ago you know right now you know you're about to to perform your job to transfer what you did in the academy to the competition. And if we go into a job interview, your job is to transfer the best way you can, all the knowledge, everything you want to express in this job interview to the best of your ability. You cannot, and I say you can't control the outcome, but you can influence the outcome, preparing yourself for it and doing everything you need to do. You have a preparation focusing on the process and the performance. And a lot of the times, you know, we do, and I've done it to focus on the outcome, you know, Am I going to win? Am I going to lose? And that, that's when it brings a lot of anxiety. So I feel that making this decision and because when I mentioned about the self-awareness, it's like just imagine, you know, for anyone that was, was listening, saying that you're driving and then like, yeah, hey, I heard this guy, Gustavo, he was pretty good, man. He's talking about self-awareness, all that kind of stuff. And then friend sitting in the passenger seat, say like, hey, dude, just let you know the, the emergency brake is on. Like, oh, yeah, no problem. So anyway, self-awareness, like, wait, dude, but if you release, we can get to our destination faster, safer, without damaging the car. Yeah, anyway, self-awareness, self-regulation. So, like, now you're aware of the problem. It's your choice. You're deciding, like, no, I know that there is a problem, but I'm not going to address it. So I say, like, it's on you. So I say, my suggestion to you, my recommendation is to reframe the stuff. But you do whatever you want. You're, it's your call. Now, if they know that it is, but of course, anytime I speak or put a video, I mean, I'm not trying to fix anybody. Just like Tony Robbins like to say, like, put a seed of doubt in those self-limiting beliefs. Just kind of like, wait, let me just take a look at this here. Let me reevaluate what I've been thinking this whole life. Like you talk about the stories you know, about what story have I been telling my whole life about, you know, what I can, I cannot do. And, and I, in it's just a daily internal battle every day. There's no break. Yeah. What are 
what are some of the misconceptions maybe that you see a lot of young BJJ competitors that may make mentally or that you see them repeating by either saying, stating, or believing in themselves? You know, what's something maybe you see a younger generation or those just coming to BJJ that compete? What's some of those mental misconceptions they may have? How much time you got? <laughs> just kidding. Um, man, this, well, I created I, I create a list of the top 10 mental mistakes jiu-jitsu competitors make and how to avoid them based on all the top 10 mistakes that I personally made. And it's not just one. It becomes a vicious cycle. You know, for someone to say, like, man, the number one is, like, focusing on the outcome. And just like, man, am I going to win? I'm going to lose. And then we go fear disappointing others like man i don't want to lose i don't want to disappoint my coach and my 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 teammates and during the match you start like man if i try this doesn't work i'm going to lose and if i lose you know i'm going to disappoint others no i'm going to stay here and then they stay in a little cycle and then the next tournament when they walk in they're like last time i already lost man this time i gotta win and then anytime focus on something that you cannot control will bring muscle tension anxiety most likely not performing to the best of your ability not necessarily not i'm not saying that you're not going to win because I won anxious before. It's just about you being in peace with your performance, knowing that I'm like, man, that was me. That was me there. Good job. And you, you won't be able to get that. So I feel that uh, there are a few ones, and I, and I work with some high-level guys, some of like multiple Black Belt World Champions, like some of the, the hottest guys in the business that I currently actually help. And... They're all human beings, you know what I mean? Like everyone else, you know, they all have, you know, goals, dreams, fears, anxieties, you know, and you just got to learn how to deal with all the internal battle. And I feel that uh, the fear of disappointing people, it's very strong and younger, the crowd, you know what I mean? Like more they have, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all that image. And so the fear of disappointing us, which basically when I look back, when I, my fear of disappointing others was l- low self-esteem, you know, period. I'm so worried about what others are going to think about me. And now I tell my students, I have like 10 affiliate schools in Arizona. And if I think about every time when I'm going to compete, what, uh, what others are going to think, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be to perform. So I tell them, guys, I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm, I'm excited that it's good that everyone and people get inspired that I'm competing but I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for myself. That's for myself first. If I'm inspiring you, awesome. But uh, that's something that with age and now I'm, I'm 42, you started to kind of reevaluate, you know, some other different things. For example, a cool, cool experience that I had in 2014, 15 season. I wanted to compete one more time at the adult world championship in jiu-jitsu and i knew that it was a very tough task for me because i had to uh back uh, they started to put the qualify to get in to compete and i'm like man i really because before they they changed rules before you had to qualify and then they removed and then they put it back again because i but i didn't have any motivation i was just like i don't want to go there just to say that you know i competed and when they said now i need to qualify i was like oh i like that you know i like to earn my spot there that's a completely different vibe and in 2014, so I, I was competing in Masters, which is like, I was qualified to compete at the 36 to 40 division. And I decided, like, you know what, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compete in the summer. And the cool thing, too, how it happened, because I was already kind of thinking about it. And then I went to the website, and I'm looking at the, 
the calendar and stuff, and I saw the tournament. And as soon as I, I thought about competing, I felt anxiety hitting me up. And then I'm like, man, can you handle those young guys? Can oh, you see shit. this? So the, the dark passengers start coming. And as soon as I realized that, I'm like, fuck that. I got my wallet, boom, sign up at the moment. <laughs> so, so you just, okay, yeah, I love how you is, look for that. Yeah, because yeah, this is my, my trigger that I try to share with people. When you have an idea and you have something, you feel that anxiety is probably a good one. Because if it doesn't bring an extra emotion, I'm like, eh. But yeah. when you feel like, fuck, do it. Like, do it, do it. And, <laughs> and that's basically what I did. And I, I have to say, I think that was the, the hardest, the the most prepared that I've ever been in my life for this tournament because I knew that uh, and mentally working on a lot of my mental, a lot, a lot, a lot of my visualizations and, and my affirmations, everything that I put in everything together. And I went there like with a, there's a difference sometimes in believing and the conviction. I had the conviction that I have written in front of me, like I'm going to win. I'm going, and I couldn't see any other scenario and end up winning. And that was like an amazing experience for me. And after that, I was like, okay, now I need to start a campaign to qualify myself because I need more points. So I started to travel. So I went, and this was 2015. So I went to competing. Hey man, I, I hate jumping in, but the, the highlighter with the off and the on, the off and the on and the highlighter clip is going to mess up your interview. <laughs> uh, You're dropping bombs, man. You're going to get clips like all the way through it. Click, click, got click. <laughs> got it. And, uh, I uh, I started to travel, so I went to compete in uh, Germany and Italy and Switzerland. Um, no, Sweden, so Zurich. So I ended up qualifying to compete at the at the Worlds in 2015. But by the time I was going to Zurich, which was three weeks before the Worlds, my last time to qualify to get the point, my arm was already a. Uh, old injury that was really like affecting me a lot. My elbow was like really, really bad. And I ended up competing anyway in Zurich, ended up getting the points that I needed, but I had a partial tear in my elbow. Oh. And I tried cortisone shot, didn't work. And then three weeks before, I mean, like, I have two options. Either I go through with this, I compete, or I just like, ah, oh, no, my elbow. And I started like, a, I... I put a name for this. The name of the project was How High Can You Fly? Which is not for me to inspire others. Like, man, I have the age to be competing in a group of 41 to 45. And I'm doing this and you're 21 and you couldn't be doing this too. You know, what is your excuse? And I'm an entrepreneur with four businesses, you know, and what is your excuse? So my idea was to inspire people to how high can you fly? But it's still like, it's for me. For like so many years handling my internal battles, I wanted to really try that out and be like, you know what? I don't want to keep testing this. So I was able to, so like, you know what? I'm going to compete three weeks before I was just doing swimming, drilling. I couldn't really work hard, like, cause it was bad. It was really bad. So I ended up competing. I, I won my first match with a Japanese opponent. That was like, I think the better Japanese guy in that, in that moment in 2015. And then the second one, I got one of the Toughest guys in the lightweight division, JT Torres, an American. He was one of the best guys in the in the business too. And right at the beginning of the match, it was one minute. I felt a little shift in my elbow, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm I'm good, I'm good." And then, dude, like about three minutes in, uh, he passed my guard. I'm scrambling, boom, my elbow pop out of place, and the uh, 
the medics come in, you know, I, I get out of the mat all jacked up. And one guy tried to put a video, actually, the, the doctor trying to put him back in place. He couldn't get another one, came in, boom, and then finally got it. And I had a very delicate surgery. It took a piece of my, my tendon for my wrist to my elbow. One year uh, completely done, November, that's when I, when I was released for training. And people ask me, like, dude, do you regret, you know, because it has surgery, like, regret? I would regret if I didn't compete. It would be like, oh, man, you know, like, how would be this and that? I had well, zero yep. excuses. Not just uh, my elbow. No, 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 no. It was me there. I literally did the best I could. And that was the, the furthest I could, I could go with what I had, you know, especially with a the physical. So that was good. That a uh, good inspiration well, for a well, lot what of you people. Face was, you face short-term pain, long-term pain. I love your, I really do love your notion of when you feel that spike of anxiety, don't run, do yeah. it. And then what that brings to you is short-term pain, long-term pain. So the short-term pain was the elbow, was the shit that you've now rehabbed. Long-term pain, my brother, would have been 20 years ago on what if. Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of those, Tony Robbins talk about this too, like in order to enjoy long-term pleasure you got to break through the wall the short-term pain so mm. like for some people who compete are like man it's so uncomfortable you know like i don't want to compete anymore i can do an anxiety like dude keep pushing at one point you're going to break this wall this short-term uncomfortable feeling Ugh. and when you break it it's like okay it's not that bad i'm actually enjoying now it's more like a pleasurable experience than actually a painful one you know and but you got to keep pushing, got to feeling that anxiety, like uh, feeling that fear and doing anyway type of deal. And I start to embrace this and everything in my life. The, the, uh, whatever I have a, a thought I want to do it, like I'm going to do it and I'll just do it, whatever that is, whatever that is, you know. And You seem to have been that way since you were, you know, five or six saying, I'm going there. This is what I'm doing, you know, following that, the, despite what anyone else was telling you or anybody else or anything else was telling you, including yourself. Yeah, but I feel that I had a lot of self-limiting beliefs that hold me back, and I didn't know how to hand out the times, things that I didn't pursue at some point. It's just because I got overwhelmed with uh, my negative thoughts and my fears and anxiety. I didn't know how to handle it, and I ended up not accepting some challenges. Did I accept a, a bunch of them? Absolutely. But but I feel that I, I said I was moving forward, but carrying a lot of unnecessary weight with me, and eventually learning more about myself. And I feel that uh, my big, my life really changed 2013. Like to 10, I started to study mental training. And 2013, I went to a place, if anyone, there's no, it's actually a nonprofit organization called hoffmaninstitute.org. It's in uh, close to Napa Valley in California. And that changed my life. Uh, nine days in woods, no no internet, no phone, nothing, just working on you 12 hours a day and mom issues, dad issues. I mean, you do everything. And, uh, and, and I was coming, going there with, uh, like, um, I, I was in a relationship for five years and, and that broke in in a toxic way with, a with cheating involved and not for my part, you know, and that is definitely, it's hard for anybody. And when I, when I went there, like getting to really understand myself, what do I really want? What is the best? The, I saw my journey. That's when I put my, my foot down, like the full authentic version of my, myself, the closest as possible. And that's what I've been doing more and more, just in search of my authenticity. And I'm, 
And I know that I'm never going to reach, I'm never going to reach a level 100, you know what I mean? But we're just going to keep pushing that authenticity to the, and being authentic to your desires. That's mainly what I'm looking for. Like, I, I want to do it, I'll do it. So now I'm in a transition of careers and not uh, teaching jujitsu. I only teach once a week now at night and basically May I'm, I'll be done because I want this full freedom that I'm looking for, that I don't want to be attached to a building unless I want to. Mm-hmm. Like, not that I don't want to teach, but I don't want to be in the middle of the project. Oh, man, I got to run. I got to do this. No, I want to go there and teach whenever I feel like it. You know, but I have a whole support system to do that. And it's taken years for this to happen. But we have a very successful school. And I can say that it's uh, like one of the best in, in, in the country, period. You know, and the numbers don't lie of like the amount of talents that we've been able to produce over the years. And I feel not only the technique that I learned from an, an amazing, an amazing coach and training partners, but the mental that has been helping them big time for them to really unleash their full potential, you know? Yeah, my, my last question, man, that I think is not that you haven't been cognitively rampaging this entire time, but uh, that I think may spark something maybe a little more deeper spiritual in you, man, is, you know, what would you what would you say to that five or 15 year old kid that is in Brazil, Japan, America, who may be sitting at that same kind of consulate or same kind of adversity or face that same kind of opposition in, in, internally and externally? You know, what do you tell them, man? I learned this from Brandon Bouchard, which I got my certification of high performance coaching. Just honor the struggle. Just honor the struggle. It's part of it's part of the journey. And we all have the stories who create the stories, right? You said, you know, like I think we all have themes in our lives, you know, when you look into it. And I feel that my theme is that I thrive in chaos. I thrive in in situations that, you know, a lot of people do crack and then be like, I'm done. I don't make any money with this. I'm sick of it. I'm just going to get in. I, and I thrive this from like struggle. And, and that for some, I don't, I don't, I can't explain because it's something I think is bigger than, than me. But, um, I just feel that every time something like that happened, I come back so much stronger. People don't realize even people don't know me, they don't realize how much stronger I get from all the struggles that I go through and being, especially being a, uh, a business owner for any of the entrepreneurs who are listening to this, you know, it's a, it's a rough road. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a rough road. And, and I feel that it's just like on a don't for me as young, don't let some of the stuff, like, for example, when I came to, to, uh, to the U S in the beginning, not knowing to how to deal with this, this thought, Oh man, I don't have just honor it. Do the best you can with what you have right now. Just that, you know, that's a scenario do what you can uh, to this day. Every time I, I arrive in Vegas through a uh, airport, when I, when I go on the little tram there, like I feel the anxiety because of that's when I arrived, I was like, fuck, I'm here. There's no turning back. I have nothing back there. Like this has to work, you know? And, but I feel that it's just, if I had to say, just do the best you can with what you have right now, you know? And I do this. I, Try to do the same with my my students. So they go to tournaments. Man, I think I'm seventy percent ready. Give one hundred percent of the seventy that you have right now. You know, it is it is what it is. If that's what you got, that's what you got. And I like the struggle line, man. There were two powerful words, man. I like that you you said that. I, that hit me hard. 
Yeah, because uh, we have, you know, for anybody listening to this too, just you got to thrive through those those struggles because if anyone listened to this, like if you, if you, you think about it right now, and I'm like the, your most, and for the listeners too, your most meaningful accomplishment that you've ever achieved in your life. And for people who are listening, maybe you have jujitsu people that maybe uh, they're aware of who I am or what I do, you know, there's nothing to do with sports, you know, could any meaningful accomplishment in, I guarantee you there is hard work, sacrifice and perseverance. If one of those three things are missing, Maybe it's not as meaningful because meaningful shit don't just land. You know, you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to sacrifice times. Could be hanging out with your boys and doing this and watching TV and doing that, you know, but you're grinding and the perseverance of not let, you know, some of the, the things that the, the emotional roller coaster that we go through in life, you know, let you really keep you down and then use it to give you strength. You'd be able to achieve meaningful things, but it's, this is an amazing podcast that you have just to give like people just for people who are not aware of it, just a little like wake up call, like, Hey, just reevaluate some things. You know what I mean? Just not try to figure it's just like, yeah, just take a look, just take a look at some different views, different perceptions people have. You know what I mean? And I saw you talking about this too, that, you know, uh, it's not because of, uh, you have this perception, that's the truth, and that's how it is in the world. You know what I mean? No, that's your perception. There's other perceptions as well, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel that if people wouldn't start to understand more of this, of being more emotionally mature to agreeing, disagreeing things. Well, that's how you feel. I don't agree, you know, but that's how you feel. So let's agree and disagree. And, and that goes with, you know, it's a tough one when you're young and, and maybe the family sound like, you need to do this, you need to do that to be successful, you know, and I'm like, man, that's your perception of success that your grand, you know, your grandpa told your parents, you know, they said that this is what success is and you adopt and you try to pass to me and I don't want it. I want to cut that off, you know? Ooh, damn, I love that. Ooh, damn, Gustavo, you're coming in hard. I like that <laughs> one. I like that one. I mean, most, a lot of parents don't understand that, that truly subconsciously, many times by accident even, we we don't want our children to surpass us, man. That's a deep thing to say because it's true uh, that a lot of people forget, you know, it's, and I always make this argument with people, with parents where I say, look, if you, do you want your children to be better than you? Yes, I do. Well, then why are you raising them on the same exact beliefs that you were raised on, expecting mm -hmm. them to be better than you? You're going to raise you. Yeah. And, and, and I'm a, and my, my son is 16 and I do, he was one of the big, like, I remember one time, this is like, maybe like when I start, like maybe the beginning, when I start working in 2010, like on my, on my head, I remember him having a little fit. I was like, Oh my God, that's just like, I, I used to do so he saw that so like i'm passing through through him and he's doing a holy shit i gotta be so much more aware of what i'm saying what i'm acting you know that was like one of the the biggest you know like ahas that i have just with my son just having a little you know yeah, little fit i'm so like, much aware though man i mean see the child see the parent man but your awareness was able to say look my my child is learning that from somewhere and i'm the biggest influence i mean i have a 17 year old daughter as well so that idea when we can be aware of if you're looking at your child go why are they doing that why are they saying that well mm -hmm. you need only look in the mirror yeah and and that's been you know an interesting road of like just yeah, I'm, I'm addicted to personal development. You know, I really, I enjoy, that's what I do now. I work a lot from home, building my 
online business with courses online and stuff like that. I love it. You know, being able to get messages from all over the world that are, and now I'm I'm speaking Portuguese now. I started one year ago only. Amazingly, you know, I started being a public speaker in a, in English first, and I didn't know how to write an essay in Portuguese, and I wrote a book in English. I'm like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> and um, just things that you know, we just you know learn along the way. And where can everybody um, find you, man? Put up, plug everything and anything you want to, my friend. Yeah, I have yeah, I have like four websites, but I think the regarding to this would be. Uh, T-H-E, the B-J-J mentalcoach.com. That'll be the main, the main one to find related to. Then I have my academy, my events, and I have my Brazilian one, which has been, and here's the thing. I have four different business. The one that I don't, that I make, I don't make any money right now because I'll personal brand, building personal brand is the Brazilian market. I don't make any money with it, but it gives me such, it gives me such a fulfillment of making an impact in people's lives because in the U.S., you have a lot more access to uh, you know, personal development. And, I mean, in general, like, this this part that they don't talk as much in Brazil. So when someone comes in, you know, like, keeping it real and not like, I'm not bullshitting anybody. Like, this is what I did. And I always tell them, this is my perception about my life. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. You have yours. You know, whatever is good, use it. Whatever you don't, just, eh, just put it aside. But, uh. The, the amount of, you know, people being the send me messages thanking and 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 stuff and for the changes they're being able to. Uh, no one ever like put him in a place to say like, oh, look at this or you know, like, just take the responsibility. Say, like, you know, I am I am the problem and I'm the solution. Like, basically, you know what I mean. Don't don't blame anybody, you uh-huh. know. And have, need to have balls to say that, you know what I mean. Yeah. And and this. Um, been embracing this so i've been having so much fun and i'll tell you what maybe in a few years we'll have another interview and i'll be one of the years man you better be coming back on more than a few years man all right but i'm saying like in uh because i have a five-year plan going especially with the brazilian business with what i want to do in the brazilian market and i don't want to just be uh oh gustavo's a public speaker now i'm one of the best ever in brazil and that's my goal and and I work very hard to do so. Work on myself very hard to do so to be able to inspire people to change. Because I'm I'm not gonna change anybody. You know, I can inspire people to change if they want. And just sharing some of the stuff that I've been through and through my journey, I still have so much to to learn. You know, in life. And you know, my mom is she's seventy. She's my biggest inspiration. That I see how much she still learns. And she graduated from coaching at 67 because I told her, like, you should check it out. This is awesome. And she's like, okay. And she did. And then she's a college professor that started when she was, like, 17, man. She didn't uh, know um, my grandpa got sick. Someone uh, someone needs to help at home. She wanted to be a teacher, and she dropped out of school to help at home and went back to school at 40 to finish, like, you know, GED and all, all that stuff. And and she got a went to college, grad school, masters, and all of that like after forty, you know. Wow. And she's my biggest inspiration to uh, to do everything I do. Man, we we started we started talking with our mamas, and we end talking with our mamas. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I mean, they get choked up. So I, I talk too much about her. No, you don't, my brother. They would yeah. disagree with you as mine would disagree with me, man. We wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for them this far. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I appreciate it, man, the opportunity. Have fun.
Oh, you're coming back, man. Uh, give me, what, a month or two? Come back, update yeah. us, man. Bring some more philosophies, man, more life experience. Yeah, you you tell me. You know, we got some uh, some projects going on right now, filming a lot of stuff to put online because I want to reach more people. And I don't want to be having to go, like, be a road warrior traveling every week and speak. It's not a, I wanna, if I want to reach people, I think online, I got to take advantage of that. How many well, if, people... if you want your own podcast, let me know and we'll help you build it. Yeah, the thing is time. Because of like everything I do, it would be an idea, but man, there's so many things happening. So I'm just in expanding my academy now to a uh, 7,000 square feet facility from 45 to 7,000 and have 10 employees. It's, it's crazy. You know, there's, uh, it's, it's awesome. I have almost 300 members at a duty juice Academy and mm, man, you're just growing, bro, all from a selling your car and a plane ticket, man. Yeah. And I'm not even, you know, like, I want to achieve a lot more. Not just, I care, I fucking care less about money. I really, I really care less because one day we're going to die and I was going to stay here, you know. So I just want to do meaningful things in the world. And this is, you know, and this part of the process. Well, let me know any time or any way we can help you, you know, do those meaningful things and spread those, uh, spread whatever it is, man. We're, We're here for you the same, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Adam. Yeah, you too, my brother. Take care, man. Yes, sir. Bye.